Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Ketner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Hi, good afternoon. We are recording today's episode in the afternoon of Tuesday, the 22nd of June. So I think the biggest news for our listeners since we last recorded uh, is the extension of the moratorium on winding up petitions and statutory demands. And that goes until the end of September. And then the big um, extension is on the ability of landlords to be able to evict tenants. And that now runs to the 25th of March 2022. I had to look at that date twice, but 2022, so that's next year. Um, We'd like to cover some other topics. And I'd say that these are starting just to show a few flashing warning signs and things that we want to be aware of. It's it's a little bit too early to say if things are going in one direction or another, but I think certainly there are some signs that, that people should start be being aware of um, and to, to look at. So, Nick, should we start with this moratorium? Yes. On the coronavirus <laughs> measures. Why, why not? And, I, and um, I did love the point that you picked up about this um, when when the announcement was made back on the 16th, that um, it was fascinating that out of the menu of things the government could do, now we've had another month's extension to, to temp, you know, a partial lockdown, you know, it, it had the rent enforcement ban, it had the winding up petitions ban, and then it had furlough and the business rates holiday. And unsurprisingly, I suppose, but I say that cynically, um, uh, they chose the two didn't cost them any money yeah. so you know to, well initially at least it doesn't initially, cost any money at, know, the, at the beginning it's it's going to come back to haunt, back. haunt them but i don't suppose given the numbers and, and and also given the rather strained increasingly strained relationship allegedly between number 10 and number 11 Downing Street um it's not really very surprising um i, I had a phrase on this i i, I was cornered whilst on holiday in Cornwall last week in a in, in a, a harbour car park by a journalist who wanted to talk about this and I couldn't resist the phrase um you know he said do you want to sum this up and I said yeah that's really simple um the government's kicked the can down the road straight into a minefield and and you know what does the government think is going to happen on the 25th of March 2022, by which time we will have upwards of £10 billion worth of unpaid rent, commercial rent. What does it think is going to happen at that point? Unless what it's given itself is time to come up with a scheme. I mean, there's a... There's a very... And that was a consultation, wasn't there? It was a consultation mm. that was opened. I've, I've, my, the dates escaped me. I think it was in March. Or it was or maybe April, actually. And it was, it was a April. very, very short... Um, period, and I think there were six options that Bayes um, was consulting on. We haven't heard any update on that, so presumably we would expect there would be some framework under which well, these these disputes could be um, could be resolved. But we yes, haven't really had any any update on that, have we? That, no, and it's going to take a framework because the, this won't magically sort itself out on uh, you know like a like a um, uh, uh, Father Christmas coming down the um, coming down the chimney on the twenty fifth of March this time, not, uh, mm. not December. So um, I, you know, the winding up petition ban. I don't know how much longer the government thinks it is appropriate to have the number of zombies that we have in the economy still. St- 
staggering yeah. around um, the, the commercial battlefield, um, causing mayhem and, and disturbing uh, and competition. So far, we haven't had the, the wrongful um, trading ban yeah, hasn't that, been extended, and that that's it. That's been, there's been a funny kind of lag, hasn't there, mm. over the last year where these where we've, we've had been in this funny um, time of of these moratoriums on on enforcement, and that has sent, tended to lag a bit behind, but has normally then caught up with well, the, the bands unwinding up and statutory Well, I, I wonder if what's going on there, I mean, there's been a real splurge of publicity, uh, funny enough today, um, coming out of the insolvency service um, over their successful prosecution of a company director for fraudulently applying for uh, some of the government loans oh right coronavirus loans and i just wonder if there isn't a sort of feeling that the time has come to stop being quite so nice to people who do bad things in business to try and encourage well also i guess to encourage um businesses where there isn't really a way back to actually go down a a kind of voluntary route Um, exactly i mean that 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 would involve remarkably joined up thinking for this government but hey you know you never you never quite never know know. Mm. so inflation should we talk about Yes. Okay. So that and that was again. We were expecting there to be a rise in inflation, but not by quite as much as as actually transpired. So it's two point one percent is the May figure. I think analysts have been expecting about one point eight percent, haven't they? That's right. That's right. So that's a that's a big leap from one point five percent to two point one percent. The ONS blamed petrol prices uh, that uh, it said were twenty percent up on a year earlier. It talked about clothing um, uh, prices rising as retailers cut back on discounting, mm-hmm. hospitality uh, prices rising, hairdressers, 7.9% increase in, yes, in the haircut <laughs> or style, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I did find interesting among all this verbiage from the ONS was a little snippet that didn't get a great deal of publicity. Business input prices for fuel and raw materials in May were 10.7% higher than a year earlier. Wow. That's really big. And so wow. factory prices, they say, are now rising at the fastest rate since 2012. Yeah, I mean, I'm, anecdotally, again, I, uh, I'm hearing from um, from people in those industries that there is an awful lot of, of um, increase in, in prices that are going to have to be, you mm. know, some have had to be absorbed because of, you know, the, we've talked yeah. about this before in construction industry, you, you have fixed term, uh, fixed price contracts. But but as as these prices are going up, that is going to have a, an impact on on downstream um, downstream prices. We've got the MPC, the Monetary Policy Committee meeting of the Bank of England happening tomorrow with minutes published on Thursday, the 24th. So it will be interesting because obviously Andy Haldane has been, you know, the person, I think he, he was in the press over the last week, warning about is it the red hot house market? I think he's he's yes. um, talking about now, and so he's he is the 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 lone voice I think until now who's been warning about um, inflation and wanting to cut back on the the QE program. So it'll be quite interesting to see what happens whether he remains the the kind of figure on the on a limb. And of course, it's his last meeting as well. So. Difficult, yeah, to, to... difficult to imagine there'll be any subtlety about his um, <laughs> farewell message, but you know, absolutely, that maybe give us some content for next strange next podcast. And, and of course, the inflation um, figures lead, uh, in fact, dance um, side by side with government borrowing. Mm. Uh, and we had the government borrowing figures this morning. Um, uh, they were down 
in May to only 24.3 billion, which was 19.4 billion lower than a year earlier. But still the second highest on record, isn't it? (laughs) Still the second highest on record. Hallelujah. Total debt um, is now 2.2 trillion or 99.2% of GDP. And that's a level last seen in the 1960s. Um, And I suppose, you know, my take on that is that that is either much better or maybe much less bad, depending on whether your glass is half full or half empty. But it's a clear reminder of the perils for the public finances of inflation and a potential interest rate rise. Mm. But there really is an, there's an odd thing happening here. Uh, there's all the signs of um, expectation management going on here because you've got uh, the uh, ONS and government saying, look, okay, we know inflation is 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 high, but it, don't worry, it's only temporary. Mm. And at the same time, you've got um, <clears throat> briefing today about these government borrowing figures making a big solemn dance about the fact that the uh, the interest on the government debt in May was only 4.3 billion. Um, and, and, and the implication clearly, though it wasn't stated explicitly, is that um, at that level, so if interest rates go up a bit, hey, we can cope. You know, we just we just cancel the um, the Royal Yacht Boris. <laughs> but I mean, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing to to think in those those terms because we do know that if interest rates go up, we're unusually sensitive. Um, to we are because all cost. the borrowing, the two hundred ninety nine billion that's been borrowed in in the year up to March, the vast vast majority of of it is linked to bank of interest rates. Mm. So if they are forced to go up. And there's also the economists are now turning to history to talk about um, the issue that it may be tempting. It's been done before to inflate your way out of a debt hole. Mm. But of course, um, central bankers don't operate the way that central bankers used to do. If you go back to you know wartime um, and other other extraordinary situations, so you know they're they're. That their room for manoeuvre is much, much less. Yes, absolutely. So well, it, it will be, well, let's see, we, we may get a little bit more of a steer um, on Thursday, although all the all the news coming out of the Bank of England is still very much in the, you know, this is a temporary, we're not overly, we're not overly worried. Now, I, I thought we might be worth looking at shipping costs. So that's been, we I remember talking about this back in early New Year, kind of January, um, time and it's been it's been kind of rumbling along, hasn't it? And I think over the last few weeks, the press has really been much more engaged in this. You know, mostly um, I think the, the stories that make the mainstream press are retailers who are struggling with the huge rises in um, in shipping costs. And I found that there was a we've um, we've talked about Biffa Link, which is the freight forwarders um, association in the past, and they had a quite an interesting article um, on their website, which is a slightly different um, take on this, this problem, because there is obviously with the with the shipping costs, one of the reasons that everything's so expensive is because the, the containers are in the wrong places. And, you know, there's been so, what's your, your phrase that you've used in the past? Is it a feedback loop nightmare of <laughs> everything um, being in the wrong places? Um, and so that has obviously driven the prices up. But the article, which I might I might share um, with with people, mm. is talking about the the kind of longer term impact on pricing. Yeah. And and the point being made was that the 
the, the shipping companies at the moment, the, um, the product that they're selling is basically a time perishable capacity. And that's, that's not a, a unique feature, um, you know, airlines, hotels, taxis, even professionals um, who, who time base, once the time's gone, it, you, you can't get it back. Um, but the point he, he's making is that those kind of um, industries are profitable at 30 to 70% utilizations, whereas historically shipping has only been profitable at 90% plus utilization. Yep. And so is there a sense that, okay, prices will start to come down, but will we see the lows that we've had before? Um, because the the that kind of profitability question will become much more yeah. apparent. So that's that's interesting. And then there was IATA um, have have released some figures about April 2021, looking at the air freight, um, comparing to April 2019, which is really the only kind of meaningful comparison to be done. Um, and that's up 12 percent um, compared to April uh, 2019. And and again, that's that's driven to a degree by the enormous increases in shipping. Um, costs and the the value obviously you get with with air freight the the, the time saved and so on um, is 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 quite a big advantage. So there's some there's some interesting potentially again longer term changes that might, that may we may see as a result of as a result of this. Yeah, and if you and if we're talking about um, uh, time perishable issues, of course, what we got last week were some quite startling numbers. On the on EU trade, yes, post Brexit and and Q1 2021 exports to the EU from the UK were down two billion, um, and you get things. And here I come back to the, your perishable point: dairy products down ninety percent, cheese down sixty seven percent, chocolate down thirty seven percent, whiskey, which is not perishable, obviously, um, down thirty two percent. All versus Q1. 2020. Mm. And uh, it had some startling figures too. Food and drink exports were down 70.8% to Ireland, 63% to Spain, 61% to Italy, and 55% to Germany. Imports are also down, but not by uh, so much. But interesting, uh, UK imports of wine are down 20%, um, fruits down 16%, veg by 14%. And if you look at this in the round, in that single quarter, which I'm sure Michael Gove will still tell us was a blip, um, trade with uh, the EU, both ways, import-exports, was down 47%. And, you know, I mean, these are things we would, let's have a look at, see what Q2, Q3 yeah. brings to start getting their pattern. Um, but it, it does, given what we know of the friction at um, borders, and you know, given what's happening with, yeah. with Northern Ireland, that doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. Um, no, and, and of course those those sales, those those you know the ninety percent of dairy products or the sixty seven percent of cheese, um, that can't be replaced. No, that's a one off. That's happened. You know, it's gone. So there are you know exporters up and down the country um, with a large hole in their trading mm. for Q Q one twenty. 2021 20, plus all sorts of extra costs so if you've got a if you've got a perishables exporter in your risk profile um uh it needs looking at very carefully yeah absolutely absolutely what is that i'm kind of conscious that we're we're um kind of running to to the end of, <laughs> of, of our time here um is it worth related to brexit i think you picked yeah. up on quite an interesting um story on workers and workforce um particularly as it 
regards to the construction <laughs> sector? Yes, a, a gentleman called Noble Francis, which is a, a fine Fantastic name. Fantastic name. Mm. Name, um, who turns out to be the economics director at the Construction Products Association. Right. And the CPA is a highly respected um, provider of data and information in the construction industry. Um, he's been doing research. And over the last four years, the fall in EU construction workers working in the, in the UK, 42% across the whole of the UK, Gosh. and 54% in London. Wow. And, uh, you know, th th he's saying, well, it's bound to impact on, on the construction sector's recovery in the short term. But if you ally that to something else, which he also highlighted, um, the ONS's Labour Force Survey for Q4 2020 identified that there are half a million UK construction workers who are aged between 55 and 64. And, you know, so, I mean, he said they, they will retire in the medium term. I have to tell you, most construction workers will, will, uh, will say that working to um, 70 or 79, which is what he's implying, is, is highly Not unlikely. Option. Mm. But, you know, I mean, I'm amazed they're still working at 64. Um, so uh, that, is, that is the medium term issue. We've got a short term and a medium term issue here. And, the, you know, there is rampant labour rate inflation going on, particularly in London. And that, of course, will have a knock-on effect into the regions. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, that's another warning uh, signal. I, mean, I You know, we could, if we had more time, we could bang on about what's going on in uh, in hospitality with um, some of my favourite restaurants now not doing lunch anymore because they are only opening yeah, five days we, a week. We, we talked about that a little bit last time, didn't we? And, and again, you know, if we're looking at inflation um, as an issue, the the Bank of England um, presentation I went to a couple of weeks ago, that is the thing. It's the wage inflation that they are looking at as the, as the kind of key driver um, here so anything that is is pointing towards that I think is where the Bank of England starts um, sitting up and um, and taking, taking notice. notice yeah well Nick as always pleasure to um, to talk thank you very very much for um, the whistle stop tour and to, to all of you for listening I think we're recording our next podcast also on a Tuesday so we're um, we're mixing things up a little bit for the summer and, but I and, do think and we're going to and we're going to go out and have lunch afterwards well if you can find somewhere that's open who knows <laughs> <laughs> it may have to be a sandwich aldesco but um we'll we'll do our best anyway thanks everybody for, for listening until next time goodbye bye-bye